Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Jill Hickerson. She's married to Steve, and they have two adult daughters and three grandkids. Jill is here to share today about her experiences with infertility. Um, As we begin this episode today, I want to take a minute to recognize that everyone's story is different. We're not going to be offering medical advice. We're only sharing from personal experience. I also want to let you know that if you have little ears listening, you might want to pause this episode and resume it when they're not around, because some of the topics that we'll discuss today can be a little bit heavier and not suited for those of young age. So Jill, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Jill, will you start us off today by sharing a brief overview of your story? Um, It was 1986. Steve was in his second year of medical school, and we had been married for four years. We had a plan for our life, and we were going to try to have a baby, and it was going to happen in two or three months. Sure. We all <laughs> we planned just that. Knew, we just knew that's what it would be. Um, it was interesting. He had f- completed his first two years, which were pretty much academic, and then he had started his clinical mm-hmm. years, and his first rotation was through the OBGYN department. And that was—we started that summer— thinking, okay. And all of a sudden, I start my cycles, just went kind of crazy. And for three months, they were coming anywhere between 19 and 24 days. I had been a 28-day person for as long as I could remember, very, you know, could expect and was prepared for Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I was always ready. Yeah. And we had no idea. So Steve mentioned it to his attending, and this is where a little bit of humor. Um, my doctor's name was Dr. Heine. <laughs> you gotta laugh where you can. <laughs> <laughs> Just do. And he was the chairman of the department, and the chief resident that year was Dr. Rumpf. <laughs> and um, both of German descent, not ex- spelled the regular English way you would think, but anyhow, Heine and Rumpf took an interest because Steve went. We just started trying, and something's wrong with Jill. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Heine was just precious. He said, you've probably only got two more years here in Lubbock, close to grandparents. Let's get that baby Mm -hmm. going. And so that was when all the testing started. And that is when I became obsessed with getting pregnant. It occupied probably... 75% of my waking thoughts. Even when I was teaching school, it was just always in the back of my mind. Um, A little different for Steve. He was in the midst of fulfilling his lifelong dream. Mm -hmm. And men don't seem to think about infertility nearly as much as the women. They're occupied with their jobs, lots of other things. Um, He was very, very supportive But as the testing continued and went further on, it it just, I'm just going to go ahead and say, it really put a strain on the relationship. Um, But 
we did all kinds of testing. Now, 32 years ago, 34 years ago, there weren't as many tests available. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when they got their first internal ultrasound where they would be able to view my ovaries. It was exciting and new, and now that's just a standard, you know, first procedure. But um, nothing was really standing out except for they assumed I had polycystic ovary syndrome, which is very difficult to diagnose without exploratory surgery Mm -hmm. at that time. It's even still hard to diagnose, but they're they're getting better Mm -hmm. at it. Um, But we tried for 18 months, and nothing happened. We did all the tricks of the trade. I took my temperature every morning before I got out of bed. There were no ovulation prediction kits like there are now. You just followed your temperature. Um, We started doing different procedures. I took some of the drugs. I was on Clomid. We did intrauterine insemination, which meant we start stopped having intimate relations to try to have a baby. Wow. Um, and that was hard, very hard. Uh, and then one last kind of ditch effort, and we decided it was a good thing. There were six months left before we would be leaving for Steve to begin his residency and fellowship in Arkansas. And we did a surgery um, to clean out any endometriosis that I had, which they found quite a lot. So Dr. Heine decided to put me on a medication that put me into a drug-induced menopause. Mm. I was 27 years old and had every symptom of menopause that you could have. Wow. And was probably the hardest six months of my life. Number one, I was in a panic because we were taking six months off of trying to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And when you're in infertility, you don't want to hear, oh, you don't need to try or you can't do this. And so that was also the time we found out, yes, we were moving to Arkansas. I thought he was moving me to the ends of the earth. Sure. Um, He was moving me away from my mom. Uh You know, it was just... It was hard, and so part of the time was the first few months that we were in Arkansas, and I cried more tears than a woman can imagine. So what kind of thoughts are running through your head at this point? Oh, my relationship with Jesus and why he wasn't, and why God was not letting us have a baby. Um, I drove Steve crazy. It, you know, we were in medical school. We were surviving on a menial teacher's salary. We weren't, you know, Steve, we're not tithing enough. We have to figure out how to tithe more. And it just, you know, what's the biggest one, the biggest one, what sin have I not asked him to forgive in my life? And it just racked my brain at what I had not done. I read my Bible daily. I started reading it twice daily. Um, Searched hours and hours for anything that the Bible had to say about infertility. Mm -hmm. And back then, we didn't have the internet. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even, you know, 
I just went to bookstores and just poured over trying to find books that would help me. But mostly, what had Steve and I done wrong? Not what had Steve and I done right, or what was this teaching us at that time, but just what I had done wrong. Mm. Um, Church was very difficult to go to. Again, this was 30-something years ago. There were no big real reveal parties. Uh-huh. about, But um, it started a big pattern. I taught school. If I was invited all by myself to lunch on a Saturday, I knew that a friend was telling me that they were going to announce Sunday in Sunday school that they were pregnant because that was... For believers, the biggest announcement arena was to announce it in Young Married Sunday School. And so um, if nobody else was invited to lunch, I knew that they were pregnant. And I still was able to maintain joy for them. Mm -hmm. I still went to baby showers, loved. In fact, our best friends in medical school had a baby. And... We would keep her occasionally at night, overnight. I just wanted a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't stop me when I got home from the baby shower, just crawling in bed and bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. It just, it was just incredibly, incredibly painful. So what did your relationship with your husband look like during this season? It was, it was tough. Um Intimacy goes by the wayside. Everything is planned. Um, We knew we were lucky. Many couples blame the one who's having difficulty. Mm -hmm. He had some difficulty. It certainly wasn't enough to prevent pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but there were things that we needed to do to help him along as well. Um, So they would tell you to not have any intimate relationships for so many days before so that he could build up Mm -hmm. his count. And um, then it would need to be done at a certain time because sometimes after you had had relations, you had to go in for an appointment to see what was living and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, and he would get frustrated. He had to go to professors and tell them, I have to go home to be with my wife. (laughs) So he also felt like everybody in the world at the hospital knew what was going on. Um, I did. I didn't want to have relations unless I thought we could get pregnant. It just. So then sex becomes more about the medical. How it, do we get was, this? Yes. Than the intimacy. With there your was spouse. no intimacy. Mm-hmm. And when there's no intimacy, the communication lacks. And all I wanted to talk about was having a baby because that was all I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And again, what I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the legalistic approach that I had with my Savior. Mm-hmm. I wasn't embracing grace and mercy. I wasn't looking at a long-term picture. I wanted it, and I wanted it now. Mm-hmm. So um, our marriage suffered. I also was very aggravated at him, and we even talked about it this morning. He, um, going into Sunday school, this was not a prayer request. We would never mention how hurt we were 
how it was hurting our marriage, how desperately we wanted to have a child. Steve is a private person, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to talk about sex at church. Understandable. You know, it just, and didn't want to announce to the world what was happening. So then you feel isolated and lonely. Oh, incredibly isolated, because I do believe there's nothing more fertile than a Baptist church. <laughs> It seemed like everywhere we went, both in Lubbock and Little Rock at that time. Um, I was blessed, though. We moved to Little Rock, a new doctor who went, "Mm, things don't look really promising. Mm -hmm. And we had begun, we had talked about adoption in our early dating days, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to do the traditional, oh, let's have two and then we'll adopt. And... um, Luckily, I met a woman like my third week in Little Rock who said, you need to come with me to an adoption meeting. And so we started kind of opening up to that, even though we still were trying. We spent probably another year while we were in Arkansas, that first year in Little Rock. And um, really interesting, we got, we'd put in, our application, you get wait to be invited to an orientation. And during the time we were kind of waiting to do that, the doctor said, I think let's try a new surgery on Steve. It's just a little day procedure. So we did that. He went to the we went to the hospital that morning and we got home that afternoon and the letter was waiting from Gladney to invite us to orientation. And God spoke to us clearly. We never went back to see what the test results were after the surgery. Wow. But we had to go through some really big decisions in Little Rock when our physician said, you've really got problems. And he wanted to do in vitro fertilization, mm-hmm. which was probably had been around at that point for about 10 years. And that was it. And the struggle for us was real. We weren't, again, sitting down, looking at the Bible, and it doesn't talk about in vitro fertilization. It's not not a clear black and white answer (laughs) there. No, it is not. And, um, you know, I kept, I've always said, um, Sarah, Elizabeth, and Hannah are my biblical heroes. Mm -hmm. But I also told Steve, I don't want to be 99 when I get pregnant. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, that was just a nightmare. And um, anyhow, we just really struggled. At the time, they would take all the fertilized embryos and put them in you, or they would freeze them. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew what the longevity of the freezing of the embryos was. And we value life. Selective abortion was being, excuse me, Selective reduction Mm -hmm. was being done at the time if a woman had too many fertilized eggs that had implanted and were, you know, growing into a fetus. And for us, that was just pure abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, The freezing of the embryos was too new that we felt we were not being responsible for life with that. And so for us... And my husband has just given the gift of discernment for us. We knew, especially once the invitation came in from Gladney, for us, 
our infertility journey was over unless God gave us a child. And just the pure gift of intimacy, and he decided that was what was going to happen. So I'm blessed because there are many, many people who actively pursue this for years and years. Mm -hmm. And just one round of IVF can cost up to $60,000, and it's not covered by insurance. Wow. And we just felt like that was not where God was leading us. Mm -hmm. And I say every one of these situations is different, and you have to decide. So you have your two daughters through adoption. We have our two daughters through adoption, and then— Strangely enough, Haley is not biologically, you know, a part of me, but she also has polycystic ovary syndrome. And after two miscarriages, they felt God speaking to them. And she was not ready to go down the road that I had been Mm -hmm. so comfortable with the concept of adoption that our two granddaughters are adopted as well. How sweet is that? So So when you were in this season— were there things that people said that were helpful or maybe not helpful that you could share with us? Please don't ask when a couple is going to have a baby. Please. That is, you never know what kind of struggles they're going through. Um, one thing, too, if you do know somebody is struggling, everybody has a story that's, mm-hmm. oh, if you'll just adopt, then you'll have mm-hmm. a baby. That happens in very, very few cases. Um Also, you know, oh, how fun. You're getting to have all kinds of fun creating a baby. As I've said earlier, every bit of intimacy that you possibly have is taking out of that. Um, Oh, you're lucky you don't have to worry about child care. Oh, you can go do this because you don't have children. Just It's not helpful. It's not helpful. Just... And also encouraging sometimes is not helpful. And don't tell them to just relax. That was the big one. (laughs) Just relax. You're too uptight about this. There's no relaxing when you're in the middle of a battle like this. Um, The one thing I can tell you is rely on prayer and step away from the legalism Mm -hmm. and approach His throne receiving His mercy and His grace. Every one of us has a good gift mm-hmm. that he wants, us, he wants to bestow many good gifts upon us. Infertility was my good gift mm-hmm. because it brought me so much closer to Him. I had a little ugly thought one day, and He spoke so clearly. It was like Paul and the scales falling off my eyes. Wow that there were so many other people in a bigger crisis than I was. There were young women, beautiful, precious, good girls, facing pregnancies that they had not planned. Mm -hmm. And um, I finally began to see that infertility was my good gift. And that was what he intended because it brought me to a relationship that I hadn't had before. Yes, I read my Bible. Yes, I was a good girl. Yes, I wanted to do things that pleased Him. But I wasn't in relationship with Him. Mm. And once I figured 
that out. And once I had that true experience of acknowledging his love, then I became an infertility magnet. Mm. Steve was just like, I don't understand how many people just find you. And since then, I've been able to walk with a lot of other infertile women, many of them. In fact, the statistics are that 15% of young couples will have difficulty achieving pregnancy the first year of trying. But out of the the ones out of that 15%, 90% are still going to have a baby mm-hmm. either through medical help or just through two years of trying. It mm-hmm. can happen. So the odds are really good. Those of us that never achieve pregnancy are really low. Somehow I just seem to find them. Well, and that's the beauty of the church that the Lord has given us is we have this community to bear one another's burdens and walk with those other people through trials. And I think that He uses the things that He walks us through to glorify Him and to help other people dealing with the same thing. We're not being obedient if we don't use our trials. Mm -hmm. And that was something that as I got to more of the end of my journey, and again, our journey was short, three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. And it allows, you know, we pursue... And we have perseverance, we have the endurance, and then we have the faith. And we need to share that with others. What encouragement would you offer women today who are struggling with infertility? Um, Number one, find somebody you can talk to. Because you do not want this to destroy your marriage. And this is a large, large reason that many young marriages um, end in divorce, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to communicate what your thoughts are. I went to a couple of workshops, but they actually were at the end more of my journey. And I remember sitting with my friend who was going through the same things, but was the options were not clear for her, but we had to color in a circle of how much we spent time thinking about it and her entire circle was colored in. And just, you have to find somebody you can talk to. There are professionals, but again, if you can find a group of women who've experienced this, you know, there's all different kinds of infertility too. We've spoken a little bit um, before we started about secondary infertility Mm -hmm. for people who had a child just as planned, Mm -hmm. and then after that have had difficulties. And then I know lots and lots and lots of people who had to go through infertility and then have beautiful, beautiful babies too. Mm -hmm. But you just need to find women that you can talk to. And we've talked, we're going to create a group that if they want to come to my house. Yes. Where we can talk this through. Absolutely. We'll be offering an Infertility Flourish group um, this spring of 2022. Um, so all that info will be at greenacreswomen.org. And if you're not local, um, or even if you are, I would encourage you to reach out to your local church. Yes. Uh, whether they have a women's ministry or not, they might know people. Like if somebody calls our women's ministry, we can say, hey, we've got a person who's walked through infertility that they'd be happy to meet with you. Or there may be somebody who's walked through a different journey. And so use your church as a resource to connect you with people that you may not know. 
And I understand, too, when people hear my story, they think, because I did this. I had a friend who had infertility that adopted pretty quickly, and I didn't want to talk to her Mm -hmm. because I felt like she was a failure. Mm-hmm. And she had let go. And um, I will not bring up that part of my story unless you want to know about it. I want to sit with you where you are and help you grieve and also help you have hope. Yeah. Because that's the most important part of this is the hope of a family, but the hope of a Savior who loves you and is not abandoning you at all during this time. So good. Jill, thanks for being here today. Uh, There are two questions that we ask all of our guests. What is something you're learning right now? And what is something that you're loving? Something I am loving is being at this stage of my life. God has recently been showing, yes, the wrinkles are coming on. And yes, (laughs) things don't look like they used to. But oh my goodness, the walk that I've had with Him And the more that I get to be with Him, I love this time of my life. I'm not as worried as I used to be, and I have three beautiful grandbabies that bring me more joy than I could possibly imagine. So being able to go and do and spend time with them and not worry about everything I needed to worry about, I thought. Oh, I love that. So what are you learning? What I'm learning is... um, I love the Bible recap, and I did not do it last year. kind of took a break, but I just think in addition to my devotions, and maybe at this point in my life when I've got more time, but I love reading the Bible through every year because it amazes me what I learn on a passage that I thought I was so familiar with. It's so good. I've started doing it this year for the first time, and I'm a fan. It's it's amazing, and I thank Tara Lee Cobble for all that she put into this project. It I'm, just speaks to my heart every day. Absolutely. We'll link that in the show notes for you to check out, too. Thanks for being here, Jill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.